This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. One more to go, ladies and gentlemen. One more game of fake football before the real football starts. Do we know what the countdown day is, to be, to be precise? Um, How many days until? 14 days until the real. No, that can't be right. Because it's not. It's September 8th is the, the kickoff game. You're good at math. Come on, let's see. Let's okay, see we got eight days right of September, here. 30 days has half September, April, June, and November. So August is 31. So we have about 11 days. So we have days. five plus eight. It's about 13 days. 13 days left until the regular season kicks off. Steelers season kicks off in about 16 days or so. So we are there, folks. One We're more chance it. for these guys to make their impressions on Coach Tomlin and the staff to make it on the 53-man roster for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Final cutdown day is this coming Tuesday. But first things first, got to take care of business at Acroshore Stadium against the Detroit Lions. Now, we've heard from both coaches, Dan Campbell and Mike Tomlin, ahead of this game already. They both seem to be hinting at the starters playing a significant amount in this game. Big key, though, is the quarterback position. Dan Campbell straight up said, no Jared Goff. We will not see the Lions starter for one snap in this game. He's not going to dress. Now, the Steelers didn't necessarily say that's going to be the case with their starters. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to end up playing the entire first half, though, like the rest of the starters probably will. I would probably hope not, to be honest, because haven't we said as the preseason and and training camp have unfolded that you want to see Kenny Pickett get more of an opportunity to work with the first-teamers, with the starters, with the guys who are going to be playing in the regular season, just to give him the opportunity, right? Just to see how he can really do when he's not going up against second-teamers or third-teamers against opposing teams. Now, so I, wouldn't, I really wouldn't hate it No, I wouldn't if hate Mitch it either. And, and Kenny split that time. And it would tell you that if Mitch could only go out there for about a quarter or even less, honestly, and he looks good, it'll just tell you that they're ready to name him the starter and there's no mm-hmm. need to see him any longer and risk any more that he gets injured because they want him to be the guy when it's week one. I think that's pretty preordained and... I think this is just a matter of dress rehearsal. You know, you just want to see the entire offense on the field for a couple of snaps and, you know, just get things comfortable so you're not thrown into the fire against Cincinnati week one um, and it be completely unfamiliar to you. So just get get some familiarity for the starters on the offense. I think it's key in this game. How long the starters play, I think, is going to vary uh, depending on who you are. I think the offensive line is definitely going to play the entire first half. Could see them bleed into the second half. You could see honest. a couple of guys bleed into the yeah. second half. Uh, I think the wide receiver core will play most of the first half. Deontay's, Chase, Pickens for sure. Um, Fryermuth, I-, I think, will play a-, a decent amount. Number 22 is the one that I really That's have a big question. question about because he said he wants to play. Tomlin said he'd like to see him get, you know, a nice little hit maybe and, and feel that contact in a game situation. But I would not be surprised if he doesn't play a snap in this game just because of how valuable he is to the offense. You already had a minor injury scare with him earlier in training camp. Just put him on the shelf, have him ready to go week one in Cincinnati. Which side of the coin do you prefer, Tom? Do you I have actually him? Do prefer... You have him? Him getting hit three or four times, feeling that contact, you know, feeling out you. holes. Uh, so it's not like a shock to this. I know he's been doing it all through practices and camp, but it's not a shock to the system when he's running behind that offensive line in Cincinnati. Let's feel it out a little bit for four or five carries, um, make reads, cut up holes, bounce it outside to make plays on your own. Feel that contact, shove a safety into the ground, you know, just feel like a real football player again. 
and then take him out way earlier than all the rest of the stars on offense. I'm 100% with you, as opposed to just saying, we're going to rest you for the entire preseason, all three games, have your first real NFL contact for this year be against the Bengals in Cincinnati week one. That's not what I would prefer. I definitely side with you. Just how long do you keep him in there? If the first drive is like a three and out. I would take him out. But uh, hear me out. If the first drive is a three and out, two carries, maybe even he gets all three, then I'm good. That's right. But given that, I believe the, the Steelers in this preseason, and we saw it a lot more so in the second game compared to the first, they're still seeming to be pretty pass heavy. Let's hope that that balances out once the regular season comes and you have Najee Harris and there's no reason to keep him in a limited keep him in a limited capacity. Let's hope that that number evens out. I believe right now in total between the two games they're floating around 65 pass, 35% run. Let's hope that number kind of flows toward 60 40 if not closer to 55 45 55 45 50 if not 50, 50, 50 if not 55 50. 45 in the other direction which is just a total throwback of a team but just run the ball a lot this year but I get why they haven't in the preseason you're trying to figure out what these three quarterbacks are made of you got to throw the ball a lot in order to do that so I'm not going to say oh man here we go Writing's on the wall again that we're going to be a pass-heavy offense when there's no reason to be that I just don't see that happening I think they will go to a more run-heavy set once Najee's in there and it's the regular season. But you, you had to figure out what you had with these three quarterbacks. So 65-35% split in favor of passing the ball I think makes sense and I think is the smart thing to do in the preseason. But I would not hate to see it kind of shift in this game back to what you hope to see in the regular season, like you were saying, because this is a perfect dress rehearsal opportunity. And you know what you got from the quarterbacks now. I mean, I, I, I think that there's still... Um, people out there hoping that there's a chance that Kenny shines against Detroit and he's somehow named the starter against Cincinnati and we take off with our number one overall pick, uh, Kenny Pickett, and the future starts now. But I think it's predetermined that Mitch is going to be the guy. If there's anything that the coaching staff still needs to figure out, it's who's going to back him up in Cincinnati. That's the only thing they're going to look at at the quarterbacks in this game. So. When Mitch is in there, I expect to run the ball a lot. Pretend like it's a regular season game. Run the offense like it'd be a regular season game. And then if you want to revert back to passing it a lot to see what you got with Pickett and Rudolph as they battle for number two, uh, I'm more than okay with that. But I agree with you. You got to get away from that 65-35 split. Don't panic yet because it is just the preseason. But that can't continue into the regular season. Right. Maybe it's just a red herring kind of because the Steelers have been going out with Benny Snail, Anthony McFarlane, Jalen Warren at times, Master Teague, when he was still healthy before he got placed on the IR and was waived, maybe that does change just because it's not Najee Harris out there, right? People have pointed out time and time again he had the most touches last year by a rookie, far more than he should have, especially considering he was a rookie. However, this offense, I think really, even with a new quarterback in there, I think it was pretty evident last year that that offense revolved around or yeah, revolved around Najee Harris, but even with a younger quarterback who can gun it out to all the, all four receivers, uh, the two guys who will probably come in as a, as fifth and sixth between Gunnar O and, and Miles Boykin, even with a younger quarterback who's more capable than Ben Roethlisberger was in his final two years as a Steeler, I still think Najee Harris is the core of this offense. Oh my God, so yes. His touches a million will times, still yes. seem high, but they just won't seem as drastically high because I think this year the offense will be more balanced due to the new quarterback. 
but the Najee, the the offense still has to run through Najee Harris. So yeah, it could just be a sign of the preseason, right? Sixty five, thirty five, because you don't have Najee Harris out there. However, though, let's not forget that number was essentially the same at the season's end. They seem to last get year. impatient and revert back to let's pass the ball. It's a passing league. Passing well, is the way to you go. Know, it was it they or was it oh, the guy running the offense, Ben Roethlisberger? Million dollar question. And let's not forget too, for a while there, it was Randy Feekner calling the making the calls. Matt Canada only was promoted to the offensive co- coordinator position only as of last year, and. Let's think about this, Tom. For the first time in his career with the Steelers, Matt Canada is in that OC position, but it's 18 years after Ben Roethlisberger has been around. So you're kind of fighting a losing battle there. You have a guy who's his first year as an OC, or you're going to take the calls from the guy who's been making the calls for the last 18 years in in Big Ben. So let's hope that with Randy Figner out of the picture, I'm not saying anything against Big Ben, but just... Maybe his tendency to go pass first versus run first. Get Matt Canada as a play caller. Get Najee Harris as your feature running back. Get a quarterback who's a lot more apt or or, or able to listen and collaborate with Matt Canada and Najee Harris. Maybe that could finally lead to us saying, after a couple of years now, the past few years, we're even saying, why, why, why is this pass-to-run ratio so uneven? Maybe this is everything kind of falling into place for the first time in a couple of years. Well, I think the big spotlight on the offensive side of the ball in this Detroit game, it's got to be the five guys on the offensive line. I think Dawson's going to start in this game at left guard with the first team, and I think that's the smart move to do because I I think it's his job to lose. We kind of talked about that earlier this week on one of our episodes uh, with Kendrick Green uh, getting a golden opportunity based on Dawson's injury problems throughout camp and not being able to snatch it at all. In fact, doing more damage, honestly, than good when he had uh, really no one to push him with Dotson being out. And then Dotson was able to come back against the Jaguars and was able to run in the second team and look better than Green did when Green was out there with the first team. So I think you put Dotson at left guard to start. You know, you read left to right more, Dotson, Cole, um, James Daniels, and Chooks, and they play almost the entire first half, if not, into if the third quarter, if not the entire football game, Whoa. just to get uh, an entire game under their belt. I know you're I really one... pushing injury risk at that point. Sure. And can you? Aff- here's here's the thing, though, Jacob. Can you afford injury on that offensive line, or are they simply not that great at the top anyway? That if a Joe Haig has can to play week one, it? is it that big of a difference? Are you dropping off that? Well, much? considering Joe Haig, his playing time last year was significantly more than everyone would have expected it to be, given the expectations going into that start of the season. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there, Tom. Maybe you can just say, Kendrick, we're going to put you out there for as long as you're going to be out, as long as the offense is out there, you'll be out there with them. If you go down, you know, that's kind of on you maybe, because we you kind of forced our hand into playing you as much as we needed to just to get you ready, just because everything we've seen from you so far hasn't been up to par. I'm actually more interested in seeing, and this is um, going to go again, kind of going to play for what we were saying with them passing the ball a lot. I'm more interested to see the offensive line when it comes to pass blocking. I don't think the run blocking has been amazing. They were moving bodies against Seattle, but that's a pretty weak defensive front. Jacksonville was a step up when it came to the front sure. seven, and they didn't do as well at all against them in moving bodies. But just early on, the the indication is they're better at run block than they are at pass pro. And 
that's a big problem in today's league, especially when you have new quarterbacks, whether it be Mitch, who's brand new to the city and the offense, or it be Kenny, who's brand new to the entire league. And it's so tough to ask young quarterbacks or unfamiliar quarterbacks like those two are to play behind such a bad offensive line and pass pro. It, it's They're going to be able to pull Houdini axe, and you've seen Mitch already kind of do that. And Kenny's been really good at getting the ball out quick uh, and not hold on to the ball long to avoid sacks. But that's just going to wear on them as the season goes on. If that pass protection doesn't get any better, you're not going to get any help from your quarterbacks because they just simply can't. And on top of that, I think you're going to see some injuries happen to both the quarterbacks and potentially the running back position because just because of this offensive line, it's just free hits in the backfield for majority of the time. If what we've seen in the first two preseason game keeps continuing into the regular season, something we haven't really brought up on this show specifically this week, you and I were talking when we were working the game on Saturday afternoon saying Mitch looks great being able to run all, all around the field. Yeah, It was something that you hadn't seen in the years for the Steelers, but at the same time we were admitting that's not what he's supposed to be doing. He's supposed, as a quarterback, you shouldn't be running 20 yards just to gain three, especially in the preseason. I mean, it was great to see that effort, of course, but the fact that it was so bad already in the preseason is a really bad sign of what I believe is probably going to be another struggling season for this offensive line. Yeah, I mean, you can, it's a quarter, sacks are a quarterback stat just as much as an offensive line stat. So you can say, hey, quarterback holds on to the ball too long. It's not the offensive line's fault. But that's not happening for the Steelers. No, what happens is that pocket collapses real in a matter fast of seconds before the first read's even done almost. And yeah, and he, all, right. And the only thing that he can do is, even though he's a good quarterback and, and he's obviously in time been able to gel with the receivers here. He can't just dump it off because they're not even ready. They're not even open yet. So you don't want to run the risk of an interception possibly because of a forced ball. So he's going to use what what is one of his biggest assets is his legs, right? So yes. he's going to escape the, escape the pocket. So, yes, it was good to see because the last couple of years, Ben Roethlisberger clearly lost a step, wasn't as fast as he once was. But so early on in this preseason, we're already seeing Mitch struggle to, to keep calm in the pocket. To no fault of his own. No, exactly. And it's it's going to be like that, I think, for the long— it's going to be a long season for the Steelers quarterbacks. And like I said, it's it worries you when it comes to the injury front that one of them is going to get killed back there just because the line is just not up to par, at least so far. Now, they do have some time, or I think they do deserve some time to still grow because it was a fool's— uh, it was foolish to anybody to think that they were going to be able to be great right away, come out into this preseason as such a young, unfamiliar offensive line. You know, the guy to your right and the guy to your left, you, you weren't playing with him last year. So I think it's it's fair to give them a chance to still gel some more. But you kind of wanted it to look better at this point than it is. You wanted it to, you know, at least show signs of real improvement day after day, game after game. Maybe you'll see that against Detroit. But if you don't, then you're getting into the regular season games where you're trying to, you know, learn your chemistry together. It's regular season practice where you're game planning for the Bengals and you're still trying to figure out, you know, how the Dotson and Moore dynamic works best on the left side of the line. Like, once it gets into real games, it gets a lot harder for you to really find, you know, that kind of chemistry with your unit. You're focused so much more on game plan and and opponent-specific things that... 
this really was the testing ground for that line to to gel together. And if they are still behind the eight ball when it comes to that come week one, then that's a process that's going to spill over into the regular season. For sure. And it's going to hurt the team as they try to feel themselves out. Tom, I mean... Are we a broken record here on this show, or is or is all it's, of S and R broken? I think it's going to be like that for the year. I think it's going to be right. A I, I topic. feel like we were saying we were setting ourselves up for an optimistic point of view last year, and as the season unfolded, everyone just kept repeating themselves, saying this offensive line clearly isn't good enough. What is going to be fixed? What is going to be done to fix this? And nothing really was. They just kept having to plug in depth pieces, right? And Najee Harris, all he did was just kept continued to get hit behind the line of scrimmage. Somehow he fell forward. Somehow, despite only, what, a 3.7 yards per carry finish or a 3.6 yards per carry finish last year, he still totaled over 1,000 yards on the ground. That's only to his credit, right? You're not going to give any credit to that offensive line. But here we are a year later, the same talented running back that you had last year, now a year older, now a year uh, with a whole year of NFL experience under his belt, another year to be mature and learn the game, but you still have what seems to be the same poor quality offensive line. You're hopeful that guys like James Daniels and Mason Cole can come in and help with some veteran type leadership skills or, or some shared knowledge. But I mean, what we've seen out of James Daniels obviously hasn't been promising. So we're kind of right back to square one here. Here's a take I've heard a lot about James Daniels, though, that I hope is correct and I want to buy into and I will buy into and believe it for now is for that now. he still will be the best lineman on this team on this line. And that sometimes with guys who have been around the block a couple of times, veterans who've been there, done that, which James Daniels has in Chicago. Sometimes they don't really start to play until the games are actually right. games and they just can't something about the switch in your brain, you you can't flip it on when you just know that this is a fake game and doesn't matter. And if we lose by a thousand points, it literally means nothing to any of us. We we don't even look at the final score when we watch, watch film or, or think about the game the next day. So maybe there's a little hope there that once the season starts, you're in Cincinnati and you're playing for real, switch gets flipped in James Daniels' brain, and he's back to the Chicago James Daniels. I sure hope so. That's really the only thing you can hope for now. You can only put your eggs in that basket because he was— they were pinning a lot of their hopes on him being the guy, I think, on this this offensive line, and so far it's not been good. He has not looked anything close to the guy. There hasn't been a guy. None of the five has taken that mantle of— I'm going to be the number one of this unit of five and be the, the lead-by-example guy on this line. So I'm a little shocked. You you were saying you hope this ends up being true for James Daniels because from what we've seen out of James Daniels, do you really want that guy to be the best guy on your offensive line? Well, that's what I, I'm looking at more what I mean, what I see from him in Chicago in the past. Sure. And that oh, guy, yeah. yes, I want But that be. guy has not been the guy that we've seen right, the last but month. I hope he wakes up in the regular season, and maybe he will. Right, it's I mean, it's just hard what we to, have to do. It's hard to get up for preseason games for some of these guys. So that is still— But you would think for an offensive lineman who's considered the veteran now, who has the in with the, with the starting quarterback, at least the starting quarterback for week one of the regular season, you would think this guy could do something. To get excited, but just like, he's on a team that has very high aspirations. He's on a team with all pro caliber level. He's on a team with a possible future Hall of Fame coach. This is this is not the Chicago Bears for the last decade who have had one good regular season, and the and what they had that double doink playoff loss. That's it. That's all they've had to to hold their held 
to hold their head on the last decade. It's, it's just one disappointing season. This is a far better team, a far better franchise than the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you look at TJ Watt, right? What was it? It took him, what, two plays, three plays in, in the second preseason to get his first sack, and that was like, that was it, right? TJ Watt is is not going to need any extra motivation. The guy just balls out. Cam Hayward would have probably been on the field had he not gone down on, what was it, the, the very last day of practice uh, at training camp in Latrobe. He probably would have been out there because Cam Hayward doesn't need help getting motivated. I don't know why James Daniels needs this extra boost. I don't know if he does either. He might just stink. You know, that's just I'm just hoping right. that he doesn't and that he does. Um, but like you kind of said it right there, you know, he was the guy brought in as the the bell of the ball when it came to their acquisitions for the offensive line. He's played with Mitch before. Sits there and thinks there's no chance I lose the starting job. You know, there's a lot of battles happening around this roster and there's one happening at the left guard spot, the other guard spot uh for my team, but there's just no chance that I'm going to lose this job. So there's just no pressure really being put on him. And you said, yeah, T.J. Watt doesn't need extra motivation and Cam doesn't either. Yeah, you're right. They don't. But you know, Cam's motivation was that he couldn't be out there. People are wired differently, though. It's not j- just because those two have the, the motor that it takes to get out there in a preseason game and ball out like it was the regular season does not mean that translates uh, to everybody else on the team. The wide receiver core. I think we're going to see a lot of them in this game. Like Deontay, Chase, and George, I think are going to play a good bit, at least an entire, for, uh, at least as long as Mitch is out there, and probably a couple series with Kenny as well. You're going to see those big three wide receivers play. Uh, I think you'll see Gunner out there a lot with Mitch and Kenny, and, and those starters is kind of like a, a fourth guy that you can sprinkle in there. And then I think it's a legit battle to see who's going to end up in that uh, sixth spot. I think Calvin Austin's got the fifth spot pretty much wrapped up. You want to keep him around just because of the potential you see in him, but his injury problems throughout camp and preseason have have really not done any favors for himself. So uh, I think there's maybe a little bit of doubt about Calvin Austin, but I would put him on my roster for sure. So. I yeah, really you're not going to cut the guy. No, so I really think you're going to see a big battle in this game between a couple of guys in that number five for that number six spot: uh, Cody White, Stephen Sims, Tyler Vaughns, and Miles Boykin. I think all four of those guys have a legitimate claim at potentially being that number six wide receiver on the roster. I mean, Stephen Sims has done a lot of good things in return game and in uh, he had a big end around run against the Jaguars. Uh, Tyler Vaughns has made a couple of big catches down the stretch in both the Seattle and the Jacksonville game. Uh, Caught the touchdown against Seattle that won the game from Kenny Pickett and did a really nice move on the inside to break away from the defender and get to the end zone. So the undrafted free agent from USC looked really good there. And then Cody White, we've seen for a couple years now. We know what he's got. He got some playing time in, what, 2019? Yeah. When, that whole, when the whole team was really at a loss. And then Miles Boykin, of course, is the, the veter- of that group is the most established veteran, spending a lot of time in Baltimore on their 53-man roster, getting helmets for game days and, and running routes, actually, for that team from time to time. So all four of those guys, I think, have a legit claim at that number six spot. It's going to be interesting to see that second half. Folks at home, second half, when you're looking for something to watch when maybe the starters are out of the game now on both sides, watch those wide receivers and see if anyone really can find make that final separation for that number six spot. Because like I, I listed, I think the five in front of them are pretty much locked down. It's just who's going to be six out of those four I think, remaining. I think the six is going to be Boykin. I think it is, too. I think, I think the writing is If I predicted it would be that, and then my dark horse who would push him would be Vaughn's just because of the playmaking he's done. But I think Vaughn's is a guy you can stash on your practice. Squad. I would probably say Sims over Vaughn's for the special Sims teams with aspects. the special teams, and then the uh, the end arounds. 
Well, also the game-winning touchdown to show the wear the just the the wherewithal, the football IQ to die for that, to die for the pylon, and just to make the play in general. So I think they all have a pretty good claim, but I do agree with you that Miles Boykins is the way I'm yeah. leaning. I think it would be nice to have a nice another veteran presence on that. that if Calvin Austin court. goes down and well, he's gone now. If he stays down, which of those guys between Vaughn Sims, Cody White, would you actually want? on your team, possibly getting a helmet week to week? Probably Sims. I think he would do more of the things that you'd want from Calvin Austin. Considering uh, Calvin Austin is supposed to be your return specialist, too. Yeah, but Gunner's going to do that this year. Well, he could he could contribute, though. He can contribute. Um, they got a lot of guys, actually, now. It's funny. like They were reaching for a while to find return guys, and right. now I think they've, they're pretty good between, well, between Gunner and Tony Mack. I think they've got two pretty solid ones. Well, the issue was the fact that they went in into 2019 Boykin with Deontay. returns skills too. Sure, but 2019 they went into with Deontay Johnson's rookie year, having Juju as the established leader of that locker room for right. the receivers. Deontay could return. James Washington was a good number two guy to 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 uh, Juju until Deontay, Deontay quickly took that mantle. Right, but Deontay was first team All Pro as a as a specialist as a return guy. But then we quickly learned how talented he yeah. is as a receiver, so you couldn't risk putting him in there. Anymore. Yeah, you have to find that really happy medium when it comes to good return men because, like, A.B. started out returning kicks and punts for the Steelers and was really, really good at it and would still, in his heyday, go back there and return a couple punts. Uh, you see Tyreek Hill return some punts for the Chiefs, just formerly for the Chiefs, and you'll probably see it this year for the Dolphins just because such a great playmaker, you want to get him with uh, a chance to make something happen, but... Once they become established and once they become a Tyree Kill or an Antonio Brown or a Deontay Johnson, can't do that anymore. Or at least you can't do that for the entirety of the game. You gotta mm-hmm. protect this guy. So you gotta find that happy medium when it comes to return men, and they really have it this year with the Simses and the uh Boykins you can also and look the at Anthony McFarlane had I think got Anthony a lot McFarlane's, of got a lot of reps in, in training camp. I think he right now in my mind, he'd be behind Olszewski as far as who I'd want to return. He's so quick and, and shifty. And, and the agility is out of was, control. This was a great preseason, a great training camp for It was. Him. It was. We saw that firsthand in the Seattle game. He he looked like a completely different it's runner. It's his third year at the team, and it's first time in Latrobe. So I think people were saying it really actually benefited him, among others. But Calvin Austin's injury stuff, I mean, that's— I think Th- that, It doesn't really bother me, no, though. No, but that's I somebody that they wanted to use sure, this year more. Sure, I get that. And I don't know if they're going to get the chance to. But considering he's wide receiver four right now— if that, he might be five, and Olszewski just slides well, into four. Probably be just because he's of four the or injury. Five. Because of the injury. Yeah. But say he was fully healthy, he'd be wide receiver four. How involved can you really be? I mean, we saw James Washington last year, the last two years, really. Well, especially how involved can you really be when you hope the Steelers do a lot more double tights, do a lot more just three wide receivers on the field and run the ball a lot. So you might not even be on the That's field That's what I'm saying. Much. So yeah. I, I get why, because you went out and you used, what, the fourth-round draft pick on him? This year, I get that, and the Steelers love to pride themselves on finding guys at the receiver position in those mid-rounds, finding diamonds in the rough, and who knows, Calvin Austin could very well be that guy. It's just right now, it's not the biggest concern to me because the offense as a whole really has a lot of a lot of star talent on it. Not to say that Calvin Austin doesn't fall under that category, but the guys who are stars are stars. I would love... For the offense to start this game against Detroit, double tight, Firemuth and Gentry out there, two wide receivers on the field, Claypool and Deontay, and run the ball with heavy set 
with Najee Harris. I, just 12-man personnel. I just want to see that yep. for the beginning of the game. Um, again, treat it like a dress rehearsal. I'm not saying that has to be your script every time you start a game in the regular season. You can air it out if you want to, if you think that is an advantage to the defense that you're playing. But just let's see some jumbo stuff. Let's see some big, beefy dudes up front clearing lanes for the running game because I think that's got to be your bread and butter this year. Yeah, it has to be, right? Enough playing around. Like Again, I want to throw. I don't want to throw Big Ben under the bus too much here, but with him gone, there really should be no excuse to say, well, we don't really want to use Najee Harris here. Why not? Well, that takes care of the offensive side of the ball. We'll flip things over to the defensive side and talk about some battles that are still raging there as we enter the final preseason game this Sunday at 4.30 p.m. at Acroshore Stadium against the Lions. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman, and we will talk to you guys in the next Steelers Standard.